Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to WISE's Q4 2023 uh, trading update. Uh, my name is Matt. If I've not met you before, I'm CFO of WISE. Uh, I'm going to talk you through the results, um, which is what we do on a quarterly basis. We talk about growth, uh, what we've been doing, how we've been growing. And then just as a reminder, we have our full year results coming uh, later at the end of June, uh, where we'll meet again. I'm going to talk through the, the results, then we're going to open up some Q&A. I've got Martin Adam here who uh, will be managing the Q&A. So as per normal, if you've got a question, raise your hand virtually and uh, hopefully we can have a good discussion. So um, just in summary, as you know, we're on a mission here at WISE to build money without borders. And we're very much so in it for the long run. We're investing in building a great business that attracts millions of people and businesses around the world, whilst building a, res a resilient, diverse, and profitable business that our customers can trust. And you can see this in our numbers. We saw a 33% growth in active customers in the quarter, driving a 45% growth in revenues, and then actually over an 80% growth in the total income. And this growth drives our gro growth in our capacity to invest. It highlights the strength of the proposition that we've built, the diverse and quality nature of the business model, and actually sets us up really well to keep investing in the long run because there's a long-term massive opportunity and we can keep investing through the cycle whilst remaining highly profitable. So before I go into the results and all the drivers of those results, it's just worth sharing a bit more on the great product progress that we've made in the quarter. First, as you know, we care about price and speed. It's fundamental to what we do. Actually, price didn't change that much, um, but speed has improved. 55% of payments are now instant. That means that 55% of payments arrive useful in the recipient's account within 20 seconds, which is pretty amazing. That's increased and is now consistently above more than half. And actually, 9 out of 10 payments now arrive on the same day, which is also quite unheard of in any payments infrastructure. And we've made great progress in countries like Brazil, where it's not a surprise that we've been growing really fast, and also places like Poland. But a big change, and one that's really relevant, is that our customers can now earn a return in this environment. We've focused on ways to help customers take advantage of the higher interest rate environment. It makes our, our WISE account much more useful and valuable to both people and businesses. So you know that we launched assets. We've been launching this over the last year or so. And actually, after, after launching in the UK, and we're also now live in Singapore, we're in France, Spain, Austria, Finland, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands. So that's on our assets product, where you have our interest product live. And we're also giving customers a return on their money if they just hold it in their WISE account. We've done that in Europe, and actually now we're doing that in the US as well. So importantly, customers now trust us to hold 10.7 billion of their money in our accounts. That's up 57% year over year. So it's proof that the, the, the product is resonating. And actually, amazingly, balances continue to grow that's inflows, not outflows, throughout this past months of turmoil that we've seen in the market. And then there's WISE Platform, where we've seen actually some really promising pro progress with some numerous new partners. We've seen, we've seen tech firms start adopting WISE over the last years, and we've seen some really amazing progress there. We've got Brex, we've got Ramp, and Bluevine. We've got interactive brokers, and then global employment platform globalization partners all live now, which is like almost an entire vertical of these products that help companies make payments, make payroll, pay expenses, manage expenses, all now integrating WISE, which is a huge stamp of approval. 
And then we've also made some early progress on integrating larger banks, which we know is going to take an awfully long time. But in this quarter, Bank Mandiri, which is, for those that don't know, Indonesia's largest bank by assets, has gone live. It shows it's going to take a long time to integrate these large banks, but this is really promising that actually it's possible. And we can do it far afield from, our, from where, we're, where we're operating here in the UK. Oh, and we've got a great new look, although we couldn't make the uh, lectern. Um, we've got an amazing new brand for WISE. Um, uh, we, we changed our name to WISE. Now we're evolving the brand and really refreshing um, what the WISE account is. And we're seeing that in our growth. So let's talk about some of these results. So we saw a 33% growth in the number of active customers using WISE. Really solid momentum, uh, particularly in today's environment. So the momentum continues for the number of new customers that are joining WISE in many countries around the world. And that's driven by word of mouth. It's, um, it continues the same mix. We've not, had, we've not radically increased or changed the marketing mix. Continuing people recommending WISE to their friends and family is a great product to use. And interestingly, when you look at the mix of the customers joining, more than half of those that now join are joining directly to use the WISE account, which really reflects this shift in our product over this period of time. And that's shown in the nature of our, of our financials. These customers that are active move 27 billion pounds in volume. That's cross-border volume only. And when you combine that with uh, other revenues from the WISE account, that's what drove the 45% increase in revenues year over year. So what's happening with volume? Well, volume, the volume trends, the cross-border volume trend was really a continuation of the trends we've seen in the past quarter. So underpinning this, is strong growth in WISE account and WISE business. And that's supported by new customer sign-up, but also solid behaviors in the cohorts. Um, and, but we do see also the continuation of the trend we saw with this pull-forward impact from last summer, where we saw really strong volumes, particularly for high-amount payments. And that was impacting the volume per customer that we saw, the VPC. And that's continued uh, what we saw last quarter into this quarter. Uh, so that you can see that in the personal VPC. And but we should also reflect now that when we look at the nature of these larger payments, these are payments typically above 10, where customers moving more than 10,000 uh, pounds on a monthly basis. The core use cases for these are paying for or payments relating to property. So maybe it's buying a property or the proceeds from selling a property or shifting or moving or making investments around the world. So we shouldn't be surprised in the current macro environment that those things um, will, will have had some impact. But we know that that's cyclical. Um, and, uh, and ultimately, over some period of time, short term. But fundamentally, when we look at the makeup of our customers, we see a lot of new customers joining WISE. That's growing. Uh, we see really solid performance uh, in the cohorts. So actually, a no real mix change in what people are doing on WISE. So we remain really confident in the fundamentals over the medium to long term. So when you look at this volume and, and you say, right, well, what's happened to take rates? So it's the it's the, the price we charge for cross-border volume, I said, is relatively stable in the last quarter. And then the income we're seeing from Wise Account, and Wise Account's growing, so we're seeing more fee income. Actually, that take rate, combined with the volume, is driving this 45% growth in revenue. So um, it's you know, an increasingly diverse set of revenue from a, from a strong-growing customer base. And let's talk about balances quickly as well, because I know there's a bunch of questions on this, which is driving the net interest income, which is the difference between the revenue and total income. So fundamentally, our balances have grown, and that's driven by Wise Account adoption. So customers joining us and uh, moving to use Wise Account and bringing their balances to Wise, and that reflects the trust in the uh, in the product that we've built. At 10.7 billion, or 57% year-on-year growth, 
this balance has continued to grow. And actually, that excludes that excludes, importantly, the money that customers are holding in their assets product. So some people have moved balances out of that number into assets. We haven't split that number out yet. It's still relatively small, but it is growing fast. And obviously, in today's environment, it's got great product market fit. So off these balances, we earned £72 million in interest in the quarter. And we returned £16 million or shared £16 million of that with our customers. So that's about a 2% net interest yield. Now, that varies quite a lot by market. So some markets, we simply can't pay interest. Uh, we're not allowed to. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't kind of uh, implemented an approach yet, yet. And we'll keep working on that. But in a market like the in Europe, we can get a sense as to how much we're sharing. We're retaining roughly 1% of the interest uh, for, our own, uh, for our own means and sharing the rest with our customers, which means our customers are getting a great deal. We continue to see these balances grow. They're coming to WISE, and ultimately, we're building a really strong loyal relationship with that customer. But you can see a sense of that as to where, like how much we, you know, that 1% gives us all the funding we need to have a very profitable business for our European customers. So then when you take together, we've talked about customer growth, uh, revenue, and then this income. When you put all that together, um, we saw income of £280 million pounds total for the, for the quarter. That's 83% year-on-year growth. And so when you add that up, this is the fourth quarter for the, um, across all four. We had £964 million, or nearly a billion pounds of total income, which was 73% year-over-year. Just, just ahead, importantly, of our, our most recent uh, guidance. So... Um, so in summary, as you know, we're on this mission um, and we're very much in it for the long run. We, we, we continue to invest in building great products. We're investing heavily in our products, our engineering teams, and that's attracting millions of people and businesses around the world to WISE every year. And we're doing that, though, importantly, whilst building this resilient, diverse and profitable business, which you can see in our financials. You can see this customer growth is driving a very healthy, diverse set of revenue and income. And that then is funding all of our investment in the future in the proposition in continuing to build this wise account um, and this sets us up to keep investing heavily now despite the macroeconomic conditions whilst we're remaining really and investing behind the long-term opportunity so uh, I'm going to pause there uh, and then hand over for some questions um, I'm sure as you said Martin's here to take the questions uh, just raise your hand virtually and um, I'll do, do my best to answer them Thanks, Matt. And just a reminder, if you do want to ask a question, um, yeah, raise your hand virtually and I'll, I'll, I'll open you up. First question comes from Orson Rout at Barclays. Orson, please go ahead. Good morning. Morning, morning. Um, so uh, for me, uh, just, just, just in terms of the account balance development with um, you know, SVB and everything we've seen. Um, can you just talk a bit about how that's trended over time, quarter on quarter? Um, have you seen sort of change behavior from, from your customers, maybe a bit more color um, around that? And then just, um, you know, secondly, around the interest income related to that, so it's sort of interesting in the way you present the, the, the European net yield at the 1%. Can you just talk a little bit about the US product um, how that compares to, to say, the UK or, or Europe from, from the sort of opt-in perspective. Um, also seen that you're, I think, returning some fees in the, in the UK to people. So just a bit more colour in terms of how you're, um, you know, negotiating in the US and the UK towards that sort of European level. Thank you. Great. Thanks for the question. So it was, um, 
it's been a really interesting quarter from a from a really tough quarter for the industry. Um, so what do we see customers do? Well, if you look at the start and the end of the quarters, uh, it's actually pretty steady. We've seen just sustained and steady growth in our balances over time. Um, and I'm, when I say balances here, I'm just going to talk about the, the on-balance sheet balances that we have. And across all geographies, we've seen that uh, in, a, in a key, key areas where we have balances, we've seen that continue to grow. And we actually look at inflows or net in, inflows, outflows, net inflows, and they've been very steady over the period of time. If you look over the weekend or the week of uh, um, when we saw this um, this challenge with 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 uh, in the banking industry. Um, we saw quite a bit of noise, um, and, um, and we definitely saw some lots of businesses try to bring their balances to WISE, like smaller businesses, um, and we helped them, actually. And we made it very clear that uh, as to how you, ha if, if and how you want to bring your balances to WISE, how would you do that? And uh, we tried to help as many, many customers as possible. And we did see balance growth, but I wouldn't say that's a one-time kick, because I'm sure as many, uh, as many businesses would tell you, like some of those balances came in, and, and many of those balances would, would have found their natural home in another bank uh, by the end of the following week. So um, what we did see is we just saw very strong growth in the number of businesses using WISE. Um, more than ever, people appreciated what WISE is about. We, we were very clear that your money's safe, it's available, and you earn a great yield on this money whilst without having to lock it up over a long period of time or, or let us lend it to somebody else. So, um, so actually, that's really resonated now. And, uh, and whilst I know many companies have started to see outflows, uh, many rep highly reputable companies have seen outflows, we've actually seen inflows, which I think just talks to the nature of our proposition. Um, so then, uh, then you ask a question around interest income. Um, so in the US, we offer a product. Uh, it's a pretty, 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 pretty awesome product where you can opt in if you hold US dollars to, um, to actually get interest. And also you get uh, an element of deposit insurance as well on this, which is... Um, which is really uh, really interesting for our customers. Um, and we do that through a partnership uh, we have in the US. And we're hoping to spread that from just hold, from, from customers holding dollars. So there are other currencies which our US customers might hold, but it's going to take time. And, um, and you know, customers are opting into that. And we see the opt-in. We won't disclose it here, but, but all of that is all on, on balance sheets uh, today. And, um, and actually, see, so, so the customers that are really sensitive to rates are really interested in this, are opting in and earning a rate not far off the central bank rate in the U.S. on the dollar. Um, for the rest of the balances in the U.S., we can't yet offer interest, so we're actually keeping that interest, and that's what's contributing to the, to the higher net interest yield. In Europe, um, I think you understood this one. I can talk, and then in the U.K., we're actually not allowed flat to pay interest to our customers. So what we do there is we look at, like, how can we, how can we use some of that net interest income to reward customers uh, for using WISE? And, uh, and we essentially pay, choose choose for some customers to, to operate, and hopefully some, some of you uh, uh, on the line are some of these customers that will have received a fee rebate. We've had great feedback from our customers uh, for this. Um, so in some markets, there's, there's quite clearly a hurdle that we, we may not be able to get over to, to share this income with our customers. In others, there's definitely ways we can do this, and we've shown we can be innovative to do that. Um, but when you step back from this, like uh, we have an account, which this interest is really helpful in, in helping... Uh, uh, fund and cover some of the costs of, but we're very cautious around uh, using too much of, of that interest income to, to, to use that. So I want to stay very balanced in keeping really strong, strong unit economics that are super resilient come whatever we see on our interest rates going forward. 
Yeah, that's super helpful. Thank you. Um, just, just quickly, just on, on the outlook for the year. I mean, uh, did you just feel you needed to wait to disclose profitability to to really give a give a full outlook for the year, or um, you know, is it is it some of this uncertainty in terms of the level of of net interest income that you will earn that's that's just holding you back from providing it at this slightly earlier stage? I'm just curious. So we've, we're we're in the process of closing the financial year, uh, FY23. I think you're talking about here. Um, so we, we'll, we'll report our results. We, as you said in the last quarter, we talked about the second half of the year having a, a higher uh, profit uh, EBITDA than the first half of the year. And, um, and the interest income you can see now is the interest income. So uh, there's no more of that. To so I meant, we'll flush that I meant for 24. Sorry, I meant yeah. the guidance for 24. That's right. Well, we normally do this in June. So we'll follow up in June with, uh, with guidance for 24. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Matt. Uh, the next question comes from Kim Burgo at Numis. Over to you, Kim. Good morning, Kim. Morning. Just needed to unmute myself. Morning, Matt and, and, morning. and Martin. Um, just one, one sort of question for me on the volumes per customer. Obviously, you're going to probably be asked a lot about that. But the trends that you're seeing there, is it – and I, I guess it's difficult to, to find the sort of industry data, but – how much would you say is, is that a shift in, in sort of customers using you for higher transactions or is that just sort of a general trend or, or slowdown in, in, in these sort of transactions? So how much is, is Y specific and, and how much is, is sort of industry-wide or, or macroeconomically driven? Uh, great question. Um, and I can only uh, – yeah, we obviously there's not perfect data in the market to um, to answer this question. Um, I guess what do we what do we know? What do we see versus what what do we believe? Or what can we what can I help you look at from a from this perspective? So what we see is we see uh, we saw a very big increase in the in the number of high value payments in the summer of last year, and then that we've seen that fall away. We've seen that quite internationally, and when I say that, we've seen it across a lot of geographies. Um, we saw a lot of FX volatility, and that's kind of re- reduced somewhat. Um, so when I see it across a lot of geographies, I, I believe it's unlikely to be uh, highly unlikely to be competitive because we just don't have any global competition. Um, and when we do look at certain players and operators, we don't see anything that's changed changed at all really in, in the propositions that are being offered by our competition. So I feel it's definitely not competitive, or we can't, we don't believe it is anything competitive there. Rather, in fact, we see it as uh, the combination of we're coming off a very tough comp before. And then also um, when you just look at the macro and you look at what the customers are using for these uh, these these higher higher value payments for, as I said, property and flows of investment funds. So maybe flowing into a into an asset manager. If you look at the market data for that, I, I believe that those are definitely suppressed quite a lot in the last quarter, two quarters versus what we saw before. And I can only when I when I observe that, and I'm sure when you observe that, you would you would look at um, you would look at it and, be, and really not be surprised actually that we've seen a seen a reduction in this. And then the question is is when might that return? And that's a that's a judgment call that I, you, you obviously will take and 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 you'll take a view on on when that mac, how that macro will 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 come back. Um, so so to answer the question. Really, I don't think this is wise specific, but rather macro specific and FX, the nature of how people used wise over the last year and in this period. 
So, so, so if you think, think about it, like we're not worried about it. We look at it and think, okay, I've always said there's going to be volatility on a quarter on quarter basis in our BPC. But if you flip it around, you'd say, well, kind of it's only, you know, three, four years ago, this was the primary, the primary driver of all of our revenue and income and profitability. But actually now we're way more diversified. You know, this is one factor. You know, we're still seeing 45% revenue growth of 33% customer growth during this, this period. Uh, volume is just one of our, one of our drivers now. Great. Great. Thank you. That's, that's very clear. Thanks. Thanks, Kim. Uh, next question comes from Aditya at Bank of America. Aditya, over to you. Hi, Aditya. Hey, Matt. Thanks for taking the question. Uh, so a few from my side. Firstly, on the uh, just going back to the VPC, you spoke about the macro impact on higher value cohorts. Could you just talk about uh, what you're seeing on the lower value cohorts? You've said that's still strong, but if you could just give us some color on how maybe that's been trending uh, Q on Q and how you see that as you've entered a 524 uh, and same thing for business customers as well, how those, uh, how they're spending and their behavior, any, maybe any impact of macro, especially on maybe the smaller businesses, uh, that you work with. Uh, second on the, on the point of margins, I know you're not giving anything today, but we, we know, as you said, 2H margins are going to be higher. Can you talk about what you've been, how you've taken this mindful from interest income and maybe been reinvesting that into the business in terms of, you know, hiring? What have you been, uh, sort of been investing in uh, and, you know, maybe that's new features and new products. And when, when do we start to see that maybe becoming more visible in terms of growth for next year? Uh, and then, and this finally, uh, you've t- talked a lot about the platform wins uh, over the last few months, interactive brokers and uh, a couple of banks. Um, can you talk about what's the contribution of those platform customers today in terms of volumes, maybe how that's been growing? Again, how you see that trending? Great. That's cool. Uh, thanks for the questions. Let me fire through these to make sure we, we, we get through. So on VPC, on the low, on the, on the, so on the, uh, on the, the, the kind of core of the wise account and wise business, we've seen very, very, very strong wise account customer growth, right? And pretty stable VPCs here, which, which basically means that we've seen, if you kind of took the, I always think if you took the, uh, took the dates off the axes and just looked at the trend, it's very, very steady and very strong. And, uh, and actually, you know, this shows the loyalty, the, the kind of relationship we have with these customers. I'm just talking about the personal here, um, through this period where they, they kind of use wise, they really core to people's lives increasingly. And, uh, so actually that's a really dependable core. And that's really what we've been investing in as no surprise of what people are using using the wise account for today. So it's very very strong, very um, very consistent and very stable stable growth in this in this group. And it's pretty much the same for wise business as well, where you actually see kind of just Q on Q sequential growth in the active customers for people and businesses. And that's driven by these uh, this core populous uh, volumes. And then for businesses, like we don't see so much of this uh, high amount uh, impact because businesses do move more, but actually they're paying staff or they're paying their suppliers. So these things are less, uh, less, way less discretionary. Um, we did see a, a drop Q on Q in the VPC for businesses, but actually that's, was within the realms of seasonality. We typically see that from uh, the RQ3 to the Q4. So, um, so rather I just see this in the noise, but actually we're just seeing very healthy signups from businesses and, uh, and this is continuing to drive growth in, you know, behind what is a massive, uh, massive opportunity. 
So any question about margins, like I will talk more about this in, in the half year. And, and you're right, we did guide that this is uh, slightly higher. Um, the, we, we invest across our teams. We, obviously, people think, oh, you're investing in products, or you're investing in marketing. But actually, one of the things we're really investing in is in our servicing teams and the, and the service that we're offering our customers. So you'll see these uh, growing. The, the headcount of WISE is continuing to grow. And actually, that does really help our growth. So we know that if we can offer customers a much better service, shorten the queue length if they've got an, a challenge with WISE, um, onboard customers faster, we know that that's a huge return from a growth perspective. So actually, that's where we're putting this first. We really prioritize. We won't actually invest in growing our products until we can offer a really great service. And I think that speaks volumes as to how we treat our customers, which ultimately is what drives this word of mouth growth in our products. So we are, we are continuing to grow our product teams, but these are investments that we'll make over the longer term. And the last one on platform, we haven't split this out and we won't. Like the platform, number of platform partners continues to grow and, uh, and that business is growing very well. It's very early. Um, really, we're just uh, continuing to build momentum with the partnerships we've got. Um, and when we look at the return on the investments that we're making there, we have confidence to just keep scaling that team and, uh, and, and really building our infrastructure to work for the world's biggest institutions. All right, that's very clear. Thank you. Thanks, Aditya. Matt, the next question comes from Justin Forsyth at Credit Suisse. Justin, over to you. Good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Good, Thank good. you for this. Great, great. A uh, couple from me as well. Thank you very much. So first, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, engagement on the platform. So can you talk a little about going from kind of top of the funnel through to to kind of becoming quarterly active. So, you know, you download the app. How long does it take typically before customers become active? Um, and, and is there a difference between cohorts, meaning are the, say, 2018 and before cohorts typically higher or lower engagement? Um, you know, may, maybe on average, understanding that, you know, the 22 or 21 cohort might, might of course, not be super engaged given how, how recent it is to current day. Um, and then... How long is it typically before like a, a customer cohort becomes active? Meaning, you know, from when I download the app, how often, you know, is that within six months, 12 months, et cetera? Um, and then lastly, on this engagement piece, can, can you maybe give us a little bit to quantify whether Asset or any of these newer initiatives have helped increase engagement on your existing download base? Uh, that's kind of the first set of questions, I suppose. And then I just wanted to talk a little bit about the, uh, the the net interest income disclosure and, and appreciate some of the detail you've given there. I, I guess that maybe changes a little bit the algorithm for for margins, although we're basically, as we've talked about in the past, back solving to a 20% EBITDA margin. So maybe you could help us understand what you believe the core margin of the payments business, if you will, on an X interest basis is. Is that you know, I, we, we've been up in that, the low to mid-20s at some point in the past. You know, I think we've implied a little bit lower than that recently. Can you just talk about what the longer-term margins of the core payments business is? Thanks. Cool, thanks. So, so great question on engagement. I, um, so well, it's worth explaining first, like, what is an active customer for WISE? Because... Uh, because I think it's going to be different to some of the other businesses you look at. And we, we try and keep a really honest metric for this. So actually, an active customer is a customer who's uh, come to the app or the website, uh, registered, uh, downloaded, got a card, 
they may have made a domestic payment, but if that's not been cross-border, they're still not an active customer. It's only when you've made a cross-border payment or a conversion that actually we include you in the active customer base. So actually, a lot of that engagement time that you're talking about upstream is, is kind of going on now, like without it showing up in our numbers. Actually, we'd be paying for it. It's in our servicing costs. But actually, it's, um, we don't include customers uh, that don't make cross-border payments. And, and the, that keeps us really honest to like, attract the right kind of quality customers to our business. That said, it does take customers time. They'll register. They'll try. They'll check us out. They might, uh, they might even uh, try and order a card or, uh, or, or open an account. Um, and that does take, take a bit of time uh, in some cases. Some people need it instantly, and they can start using WISE really quickly, which is why we get great feedback. Um, I guess I, the one thing I would try and explain is maybe the difference between what we used to see with TransferWise or our transfer product versus our account. And, and with the account, we, we do see people sign up, start using us, maybe start spending uh, overseas. And then their, their usage might um, grow more over time. Um, we see this for businesses. Whereas for transfer, it was like they start using us, and that's the use case that they might use us for. So we do see more of a ramp in our WISE account businesses. But overall, when we look at the cohorts, it's... Um, we do see an improvement in the quality of the cohorts as we shift towards WISE accounts. Um, but just to be clear, like our data is, is customers that are already engaged and active, if that makes sense. The question is, what are these new products doing? Um, well, all of the products that we're launching from on top of the transfer, like the WISE account, the card, account details, all of the features, and then assets are all continuing to drive use of the WISE account, which drives ultimately more engagement. People make many more transfers. They make domestic payments. They hold their balances. And therefore, we see, as we've reported stats on WISE account, them ultimately through their lifetime using WISE more, earning, paying, you know, we earn greater fees, we, we, um, we see them move more volume. Generally, all of these things steadily increase that engagement over time. Matt, ju just a quick clarifier there. Because this is a quarterly statistic, that means if they hadn't done a cross-border transfer, then they would fall off of that statistic, right? That's right. So if you if you if you transacted with us in November, but then didn't transact with us in in this quarter, you're not in our active customer base. Yep. Yep. All right. Thank you for that detail. And and then on the just the margins. Thanks a lot. Yeah. So on margin, we 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 do look at this in aggregate. So we have a cost base. You know, our core product, our core product is our account, and our account has a wide range of costs. So our account helps people move money cross borders. It helps people hold money. It helps people send money within the within the country and also make payments on their cards and even receive payments in, in cert, uh, on, into their account. So actually, we look at the profitability of our core as the profitability of that account, which we're going to manage to the, to the 20%. Um, now, uh, from an interest income perspective, that's in, that, that can and should help, some of that should help contribute to the cost. So we don't want to subsidize everything that we offer to our customers with our conversion income, because that sends us down a pretty bad road of... Uh, of, of you know how banks have offered free banking but have hidden the fees in uh, in their effects. So we look at you know how much of our cost base should be covered or is fair to be covered by interest income that we would keep versus share back with our customers. Um, and and obviously like uh, we have to be very cautious that we don't become too reliant on on interest income from a margin perspective. You know so if you take just uh, uh, the European business as an example, you know we're. We're using, uh, we're using 1% of that to support the profitability of the business and the, co and the costs related to running that account that aren't related to the conversion product. And, um, and that, first, that first percent, we feel very happy and reliable on that, uh, on that as a sustainable, reliable, re resilient income off of the balances that customers are holding, uh, and also sharing back 
you know, for dollars, maybe three or four percent with our customers, which keeps them on the platform. Um, so I think when you look at profitability, we look at it as a whole because we look at the Wise account as a whole, um, and we make sure that we we uh, we have profitability in all all of our product lines. Sorry, I just want to make sure I heard that correctly on the twenty percent. So do you say you're managing the core account product, if you will, or, or suite of products to to be more or less twenty percent margin? longer term and is that what the target relates to because then you then at the end there were talking about a comment around interest playing into that but not playing into it just to make sure i understand that clearly so the the core account business x interest should be 20 percent, or is that or am i misunderstanding no so we we will use where we use some of the interests as you can see in some markets where we can we retain some of that interest and um and that interest will contribute to our overall margin Okay. Okay. Got it. So, yeah, in theory, the core business will operate as it may, and 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 that can fluctuate based on how you fund, kind of, kind of the same way we, it'd been talked yeah. about in the past. And right. as we said, in a, in a time where we're we we are yet unable to return all of that interest or how much we want to our customers, that's why we've seen elevated margins over the current period, which is what we said last quarter. So, you know, we're, we're cautious not to not to uh, become too dependent on on interest income. Uh, but we'll use some of that interest income to 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 support our our margin objectives. Got it. Crystal clear. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Justin. Matt, the next question comes from Josh Levin at Autonomous. Over to you, Josh. Morning, Josh. Good morning. Uh, just two questions. Um, it looks like personal VPC is now below where it was in, in your 4Q21. So that would be the first quarter of 2021. And in the press release, you attributed this to higher growth in lower VPC cohorts. How much of that growth in lower VPC co- cohorts is due to geographic mix? And where do you think personal VPC might bottom? And then along that, why is a business VPC dropping? Is that also a pull forward or is that something else? Cool. Thanks for the questions, Josh. So personal VPC is that like the primary driver of uh, Q on Q or from, from the summer is is actually um, the reduction in in the contribution from the high, higher amount payments, which we, we expect to be somewhat cyclical given the use case of these. We just can't predict what that, that cycle is. So um, so definitely that's lower than we've seen over the that, that contribution is lower than we've seen over the recent uh, the recent um, quarters and periods. Uh, in the in the uh, in the more voluminous uh, kind of the growth that we've seen actually we, we check this really hard to look for like is this root mix like is it is it you'll have seen in app downloads um you know quite a healthy robust growth in uh, in, in, in accounts down in place like brazil but actually like uh, this is not a dilutive impact uh prim- this is not this is not driven purely by a dilutive impact we're actually seeing a pretty healthy contribution to growth across all of these uh geographies um but actually, we are we we do see the the rump and the underpinning uh, growth in the business by this core of Wise Account, which we're seeing string through the period, and then we do see the volatility or the noise driven by the the movements in this high amount uh, contribution. On business, Josh, um, actually, we we saw like a step down in VPC quarter on quarter uh, a, a year ago and before this on the business VPCs and. Um, so actually, really, it's not so much driven by high amount, but rather just driven by what we expect on seasonality uh, within these uh, within these businesses. And Thank I think nothing really to report on business, I would say, at this stage. Thank you. And just one follow-up, if I might. 
In the UK, I believe that's where you, you rolled out your, your interest product first of all your markets. I think it was in December. Can you talk about the adoption rate so far? What percentage of customers in the UK are, are, have a, have, are using the interest product? Uh, we haven't disclosed that, but I'd say it's grown, grown quite, grown quite healthily. So it's not a, a, it's, it's, it's a long way from being a, any, anywhere near a majority, but, but like we do see, uh, we do see customers increasingly using this. In particular, in particular with the launch of the interest product, as we call it, where you can, you can hold money, it's instantly accessible, and you earn a, whether it's the Bank of England or the Central ECB or, or the Fed rate on your, on your funds. And, um, and that's starting to, you know, I think a couple of quarters ago in these calls, we were really res- we were asking, like, what, what is this product or why have we shipped this product? So I think now, like, in particular in the last months, we've seen, uh, we've seen some, some steady growth on that. We just we expect this to be, we'll see how this grows over the coming quarters and, and periods before we start disclosing that. I think it's current events could, could skew this. Thank you. But please try it out. So. Thanks, Josh. Matt, the next question comes from Sumit Dutta at New Street Research. Over to Good you, morning. Sumit. Hi there, Matt. Thanks for um, thanks for taking the call. Just um, uh, a couple from me, please. Uh, it, firstly, just on net interest income again. Sorry to to kind of return to this, but just to check, you talked in in Europe about sort of retaining one um, percent as a net yield. Um, as, as we then sort of try to model this across the group, bearing in mind you can't offer this product in the UK, is it then fair to say that we should be thinking about you targeting somewhere between, say, one, one and a half or one to two percent on a group wide basis? Because, again, of those those regulatory issues in the UK, is that the, the right way to think about it? And then secondly, please, just on personal volumes again, um, Thinking about the kind of phasing of, of TPV, I, th- I think we, we saw the pull forward, it seems, in the first half of fiscal 23. Is it possible to disaggregate dollar strength and broader cyclicality in that? Um, by which I mean, I think initially it felt like it was a temporary FX issue, which was driving some of the, the volume trends. And now it sounds maybe it's a bit more like broader macro um, cyclicality, which will take a little bit longer to recover. So any any granularity there would be great. Thank you. Well, thanks for the questions. We, we won't we won't be guiding on like a tar- what we're targeting for now. Our goal is to um, to share a, a fair share of this interest back with our customers whilst maintaining a you know really healthy, profitable, wise account um, that that will use some but not. Uh, a reasonable amount of this in interest income. What you see in the Europe is what we, where we have full control over how much we can pay. That's kind of gets us to the level that, um, that's basically what we choose to do. Um, our economics, um, our economics, you know, it, it could be higher than that. Uh, and you can make a judgment on where you want to, where you think this will land. But in some markets, we simply can't yet, or we won't ever be able to pay that back. And we'll continue to work on that. So I think if you're looking at this really over the longer run, it's, um, it's gonna, it's, it's, it's gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have to work really hard to like, uh, to manage that, uh, net interest income down. But, but bear in mind, we're always gonna do that whilst maintaining a really profitable, fundamentally profitable, uh, um, business. So, um, too, too soon to give guidance. There's plenty of moving parts in terms of the products we can offer and also the regulatory environment. So, um, so I'm afraid just keep, watch this space. But I think, I think you've kind of got some of the bounds of the, uh, the equation there. On TPV, it's really hard to disaggregate this actually between um, 
between uh, between this FX impact and the more fundamental macro uh, household uh, household income impact. Um, I, I definitely we're definitely confident that we saw this volatility over the last uh, over the last year because we've seen this go up and then come back down. The reason I talk about the macro is I think we should just all be very cautious uh, around and very mindful of what's going on in the outside world and that the primary driver for these large payments has been these two use cases. So it's very hard to disaggregate it, but I think the rate at which this will recover will not be simply just the pull-forward impact, but is is likely, and uh, with the best crystal ball, is likely to be uh, somewhat, somewhat um, weathered by by the rate at which people start uh, moving moving money for property and uh, investments again. So okay, I, share, I share this in the context of helping you think about that dynamic rather than uh, in the past when it's purely pull forward, we see it bounce back very quickly. Thanks, Summit. Matt, the next question comes from Hannes Lietner at Jefferies. Good morning. Uh, sorry, I spoke to the TV. Um, thanks for letting me on. I got two questions. One is on the take rate. We know that the, the customer pricing has been resilient for different reasons. Uh, your overall take rate increased. Can you maybe disaggregate that difference? Uh, given uh, you, uh, you receive on the current account interest product, you receive there some facilitation fee. I assume that this goes into the normal take rate and not into net interest income. Is this right? And then the second question is just around the momentum of additional businesses coming on on the platform. Um, do you expect it to accelerate? It, it seems like to tag along around the 20,000 uh, per quarter cadence. Um, I think that would be quite interesting to understand the, the underlying trends. Um, also, maybe is this a net interest? Uh, so what are the levers and the reasons for customers leaving and what are the dynamics there? Thank you. Okay, cool. Uh, so on take rates, uh, just to clear up, yes. So anything that's a fee rather than interest. So, for example, if we charge customers a fee to onboard or we charge them for a card um, or we earn a, earn a a fee on the assets they would hold in our assets product. All of that goes into other income, which goes into the revenue take rate. Um, if it's charging for a cross-border payment, it goes into the cross take rate. And if it's uh, net interest income, obviously it goes, goes into the net interest take rate. Where, importantly, when we've offered, a, a, um, in the UK, where we've offered people, um, customers, um, a fee refund, um, that's, that comes off of the cross take rate. Like, so, uh, so, you know, if we could offer them interest, we would, and it would come off the net interest income. Um, so, so really, what are the dynamics in sustaining that take rate? Uh, so excluding the net interest income element of it, it's, um, yes, it's our changes in prices, which we didn't really have any major price changes, Q on Q. Um, it, it will be, um, supported by growth of Wise account where, you know, um, where customers continue to, to adopt the Wise account, use us for uh, spending on their card or, um, or or opening Wise account, but but actually some of that's come out, some of that's gone. You know where we we might in some markets have offered same currency. So so um, the use of the Wise account is growing really healthily, and we're um, and that but that other take rate is that other element of the take rate is continuing to support the overall overall take rate. Um, on business momentum, you're right actually. So we do see continued growth and steady growth in the number of businesses 
incrementally active on, on wires. And that's driven by a very stable set of cohorts. I mean, very stable. Like, you know, they're already, the majority of these, as you know, are using the wires account, the core to what they do. And, um, and that's growing because we see just a steady increase in the number of new businesses active with us every quarter. And that's grown in this quarter as well, as we saw, you know, no doubt some people wanted to move to WISE. They felt we were a, a good place to, 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 um, good place to, to, to operate. So, um, so really good steady momentum on businesses. It's quite steady and, and slow burnness. And, uh, there's a massive opportunity which we're growing into. It's primarily driven by word of mouth. And, uh, and we, we, uh, you know, we continue to see that grow, grow over time. And then um, I think you asked the question on why do people leave WISE. The, the, primary, the primary reason why someone would stop using WISE is actually the use case goes away. So it would really be because um, maybe you're funding your, your, one of your kids overseas at university. They're going to come back at some point. Now, they might take out a loan and continue to be a customer, customer themselves. But... Um, but actually, the primary reason why someone might stop using WISE is typically a use case would go away. Um, that's less when people open a WISE account because we can become stickier and, and, uh, and, and they use us for what they use us for for longer. Um, but this is the primary, uh, primary reason. Uh, Matt, I just wanted to maybe drill down into the take rate decomposition. So these other fees... Uh, could you give us the sense of feeling? How is this composed? I mean, we, know, we understand that you charge uh, various fees, um, but I'm really interested in that facilitation of interest product. We know it's only early days, but yeah. clearly this could give quite a big tailwind to the take rate. Uh, actually, it's very, it's very small, and it's, uh, it's, if you do the maths on, on what it would need to be, it's, you know, the, the, the fee we're earning from, uh, from interest is uh, is. Uh, roughly 20 bits of the, um, of the of the balances under under management. So um, so really, like yes, that can as that if that really scales, that can help contribute to the take rate. But um, but it's 20 bits of the balances, not 20 bits of the volume, right? So it's um, it's uh, it's early, very early days on that, and we're not splitting out. So it's not a major contributor to the take rate at the minute. Um, the primary we don't split out other take rate in this. Uh, in this report, but as we've said before, the primary driver of the other take rate is actually the interchange we're seeing on card spend uh, as one of the primary drivers, and uh, and that's really like when people use the Wise account, that's the primary primary thing that's driving that at the minute. Clearly, assets is really relevant for our customers. It's driving balance growth. Uh, sorry, it's, it's driving the balances that the people are holding with us, but also just the reason we launched this and the reason we launched the account is really to just to retain our have a have a broader relationship with our customer, which means they move and manage uh, all of their international money money through WISE. Thank you. Thanks, Hannes. Um, Matt, the next question comes from Mohamed Moala at Goldman Sachs. Morning, Mo. Morning, Matt. Um, I just had uh, two quick questions. Uh, firstly, just as you, I know you're going to give us the sort of the guidance in, in June um, at the full year results. Just trying to understand the dynamics around um, you know, the comps, because obviously you had a very strong volume numbers in the first half of fiscal 23. Um, you've got that, some of that kind of FX wall unwinding, but then you talked about this increased cyclicality on the kind of higher cohorts. So just trying to trying to get, get your perspective on how we should think about sort of that growth evolution uh, across both first half, second half, but 
Are there any specific things we need to be wary of across the quarters as well? And then secondly, um, in terms of uh, uh, the, some of the uh, uh, platform customers you talked about, um, can you talk a bit about you know, the kind of ramp up rate? Because I know when you had signed Shinhan Bank, it, it was kind of a legacy bank, but perhaps it takes a bit of time to ramp up. I noticed you, so you signed this Indonesian bank customer. Uh, just trying to kind of understand on, on the platform side, the time it takes between kind of announcing some of these customers and, and the volume ramp. And are there any kind of noticeable differences in the type of customers that would affect that ramp? Thank you. So on guidance, I wouldn't wouldn't give you guidance now, and uh, and I don't don't plan. But I think I think Mo, you talked about it right, which is you know we've got a, a bunch of things happen in the last year on different line items which will affect things. So, you know, for the first half of this year we had very strong volume growth, and uh, the second half of the year we've had very strong interest income growth. So if you just look at total income across the year, its growth is coming from different parts, which means we'll we'll uh, lap different parts of that. I guess, um, so stepping away from the optics elements, I guess what does this mean is, uh, is like really, really as a, as a, you know, as a, as a company that's investing in long-term growth, the company, like we've built a diverse business that's got many, many, uh, many streams that are contributing to this uh, gross profit, which enables us to continue to invest. Now, yes, there's going to be different, uh, Turbo jets from different elements of that through the through the period, but given the way we manage the business, means that we've got a very steady stream of cash flow, which means we can continue to invest beyond the end of next year and into the following years, and maybe for the coming decades, without having. Uh, I think if you if you know we we will manage to uh, to this bottom line, and uh, I think you can depend on you can depend on us to be you know as predictable as we can be. Uh, whilst managing this business, uh, managing the fundamentals of the business uh, for the very long term whilst uh, delivering these results. And I think, yes, you're going to see some noise in some of these optics, but they're top of the top of the optics. And really, we've got solid under, underlying fundamentals, which means we can continue to invest at scale and, and over the next over the next decade. On platform, you're right. Actually, these things do take a while to ramp um, the hard thing for this platform business is the rest of the business is pretty big and growing fast still. So if you think about, uh, you know, we're moving uh, you know, well over 100 billion pounds on an annualized basis now. And I don't believe there are that many banks in the world themselves that are moving this much money. So when we add a bank, even a bigger bank, we have to ramp and, and no, any bank that's sizable will we'll have us, you know, start on certain routes typically or in certain geographies. And, um, and it's only responsible for them to, to, to test us and learn over, over a period of time. And then these tech firms that we're integrating are, are growing fast, um, but they're relatively small to start with. But we know that the, the businesses that we're integrating today are going to be some. I don't know which ones, otherwise uh, it's not our, our game to, to invest in them. But, um, but over time, we expect these things to grow and ramp. But they've got to do that relative to a... A, a very large business that's growing quite fast itself. So we're not splitting it out now, um, but it is contributing, and, uh, and we're confident the investments we're making in platform are, are paying back, uh, as well as any other investments in the business, actually. Got it. And, and so just can I come back on, on the first one? So when we saw the kind of the interplay between the VPC and, uh, and the take rates, I guess um, on the volume side, obviously, as you lap the tougher comp, should we think of sort of similar offsetting 
some some degree of offsetting dynamic in terms of the VPC trend versus the the take rate trend, given the the movements and the kind of high cohorts. It's very very hard, and not going to predict uh, what's going to happen okay. on these. I think it's a probably a complicated spreadsheet to sit down and and uh, and talk through most. So um, I think uh, there's going to be a bunch of moving factors, some things that we're lapping, and some things that will change. You know, so as we as we move our as we move forward with net interest incomes, more maybe more under our control. Uh, but but you know we'll um, you know on VPC is uh, you know we tried to lay tried to share with you today some of the drivers of that and I think we'll make a judgment call on on how that how that evolves and we'll talk more about this um, and and share some guidance with you as well in in June. Got it. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Mo. Matt, the next question comes from Gregoire Herman at Alpha Value. Good morning. Hi everyone, thanks for for taking my question. Um, so, sorry to come back on that, it's, uh, maybe a bit redundant, but I, I try to to ask the question differently. On the the tech rates, um, just trying to understand because over the past quarters you've you've said that the the tech rate had been increasing both on the back of higher customer price, but as well I think of a wider adoption of the wise products. Um, Right now, you, this quarter, you're actually breaking this kind of dynamics with the lower customer price, which, which is great for, for your story. Um, but just trying to understand here what has changed suddenly, uh, compared to previous quarters. Um, is this the different routes, um, of, of money transmission that have, have made the, 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 you know, the, the take rates and the customer price decreasing or, has there been like management actions or you know increasing uh, integration into into different schemes to decrease this uh, this customer price? Um, and then on the uh, customer growth, just trying to understand whether there has been a different uh, kind of uh, uh, pattern uh, in terms of geographies uh, as per the the, the previous quarters. Um, and that is it. Thanks. Well, on, on customer growth quickly, like no radical shift in the patterns. We always see slightly, slightly up, slightly down on some geographies, but fundamentally the contribution to growth is really balanced across all of our geographies, which kind of isn't a surprise because we've, you know, in, in places like the U.S., it's, it's large, it's growing, but we've got a lot of headroom to continue to grow. Um, and also in places like Brazil, it's actually really significant uh, number of customers joining us. But actually, the overall mix, uh, the overall mix isn't changing that. Um, that radically in terms of the overall active customer growth. Um, so pretty healthy across. We're not overly dependent on any, any geography and, and pretty healthy uh, healthy growth in, in all of the core areas. Now, um, on back to your first question on take rate, the, the primary, we control the take rate. So we set the prices. And, uh, and the overall take rate is therefore a function of the prices we set, the root mix, and then the, maybe the customer's adoption of, of various features. And the primary thing in the last quarter is we didn't, and, and, and just so you know, when we look at price, uh, looking at some of our team here who do this, um, that essentially we're looking at the unit cost and then adding a margin on top of this. We don't react to competition. We're just trying to work out, like, what do we need to charge our customers? What do we need to charge, rather? What, what, do we get, what can we get away with charging our customers? And when we look at that on a monthly and a quarterly basis, we, we will adjust the prices. And over that period, when prices went up, it's because primarily we pushed through price increases. And the last quarter, we've not had to do that. Now, we might, going forward, we might not, you know, over time, this will go up and it will come down or go down and come up, um, and it will vary by route. But um, we've invested heavily in our product teams and also in our servicing teams, and over the last year, that's what's driven some of this increase. 
Uh, we've also seen volatility and things like FX drive the need to recover some of that cost. Um, but over the last quarter, we've not done any of that. And actually, all of the impacts of the past have now kind of washed through, which is why it's been stable. Like, it will move up and it will move down um, as we manage our unit economics to make sure that we're, we're profitable and charging a fair and transparent price. Um, there's no metronomic impact that's just continuing to, or like inbuilt that's continuing to drive up the take rate, other than maybe adoption of the WISE account, which is uh, driving up some of the other, other income. Very clear. Thank you. Thanks, Gregoire. Uh, Matt, we have no more questions, so I'll hand over to you now to close the call. Thank you. Cool. Thanks very much. So, um, so I'll, um, thanks for all your questions. Thanks for all the engagement. I'm sure there'll be more, more questions, and please feed those into the, to the, to the gang here, here at Wise. Um, we will, um, we're, we're, we'll catch up again uh, in June when we have our results. Um, and if I don't speak to you before then, uh, I'll, uh, I'll see you then. Thanks very much.